0: I'm here with one of my favorite people of all time. Uh, oh,
1: wow. As wow. You
0: can, as you can already tell, a uh, great smile. Um, we've talked about it probably 20 times a day in the past 13 <laughs> days, but. Um, You're
1: unreal, dude.
0: How are you doing, Greg? I'm
1: good. This is one of my favorite humans in the world right <laughs> here. Uh, biggest muscles I've ever seen. Most intellect out of anybody. <laughs>
0: yep. I read it. I read it, you know, um on a wikipedia page right straight from it so wow because everything you read is the truth right
1: if it's on if it's on the googles i heard it's always true
0: 100 percent. i love that um craig tell us a little bit about who you are tell the viewers um who you are how old you are you got family kids all that we'd love to hear it
1: how old do you think i am
0: 31 oh
1: thanks buddy i'm actually 37
0: well, you look great, so I oh,
1: appreciate it. Yeah, so uh I live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, just celebrated thirteen years with my wife, Jessica two days ago. Wow, I had an anniversary, yep. We got two kids, j C who's twelve and Parker, who's eight. And yeah, um, I don't know how much of my story you want, but the long the long story short is I grew up going to church always called myself a Christian, but really didn't follow Jesus Mm. until I was uh, right before my senior year of high school, I met Jesus in a real way and everything changed. And um, it was actually, even though I grew up in church as a young life leader who discipled me and I was like, man, I just want to be like this guy. So I went to a Christian college instead of a state school, like I was gonna, Mm. and I started doing young life. And then um, my second great awakening was in the summer after my freshman year of, of college, somebody convinced me to go on a missions trip to Greece. And I was like, didn't want to do it, but somehow I ended up there and it was a month long street evangelism. Wow. And yeah, it was crazy. Like I didn't have any clue what I was doing back then. Um, and actually the missions trip was for, for high school students and I didn't really know that. And so if you're in college and you go, you're a leader. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm a leader? They're like, yeah, here's yeah. your small group. You're going to lead a small group with these guys. And then you guys are going to go straight evangelize all day. And it's like, I didn't know what I was doing at all, but I do know this, that when I stood on the beach in Macedonia and shared the gospel with a group of people, I felt something like I never felt before as the Holy spirit speaking through me. Mm -hmm. And so I came home from that trip, just knowing not only that, that I was, I was personally following God in a real way, which is what happened after my, or before my senior year of high school. But I came home knowing if God is real, there's just nothing more important than how people know him. Yeah. And so I started studying theology, became a pastor. I've been living in Coeur since I was seven and uh, wow. working at a church for about 10 years. And then just as of April 1st, I stepped off of my full-time staff role and I'm doing full-time itinerant preaching and digital missions.
0: Yes. Yeah. So it's crazy. Right. What a story. Uh, there's so much to unpack there, um, I know. from kids and marriage to um, evangelism and leadership. Um, something that I would love to even talk through, though. I mean, there's um, definitely younger viewers watching this, so um, teenagers, twenty to twenty to twenty-five. Um, mm-hmm. But that that lesson that you learned going to Greece. Um what share a few stories, number one, and then number two, um, share a little bit about how um you learned how to evangelize because that's how I learned too. They just kind of threw me in a um a college in Nebraska and they're like, go talk to people about Jesus. Um very uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. um, Um you know, I think that what I learned there was reflective of what I didn't realize about here. Hmm. Which is that, and maybe not so much anymore, because our culture has drastically changed since like the early 2000s. Um, you know, when when I was growing up, I'm a little older than you. Um, generally, everybody kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, like it, it really felt like at least from the perspective of people, oh, yeah, this is a Christian nation. I don't think that that's even something that our nation is trying to claim anymore on a broad okay. scale. And I don't know if necessarily back then everybody was really living for God,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: that's at least what people's opinion was. And even mine, you know, for 17 years It's like, Oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but like I wasn't really interested in surrendering my life to him. Yeah. And uh, to me, that was, that was just even more uh, highlighted in a greater way when I was in Greece now i'm not speaking on behalf of all greek people or any people in that nation i'm just saying from my perspective when i was there um we would yeah we would just go in the streets and talk to people and almost everybody that we talked to believed that they were saved mm. and that was because they were part of the greek orthodox church but if you ask them anything about heaven hell sin res- you know confession repentance Jesus cross resurrection. They didn't know anything. Yeah. I mean the people I talked to and it was all just like, Oh, I'm part of this. I'm part of the Greek Orthodox church. Of course I'm saved. And so th- it was actually very difficult. And at the time I didn't know it, uh, but, or I didn't even pay attention to it. Cause I don't, I don't, I wasn't cognizant enough to know, but I look back and I'm like, I don't know if we led one person to the Lord,
0: <laughs> Right? <laughs> like yeah. in
1: a month. <laughs> I just yeah. don't even know. Like now as a pastor, it's like, I, we, you know, we count and I know exactly, you know, right I, I wasn't even thinking of, I just was thinking, we're just telling people about God yeah and, um, most people didn't respond super well, but I, I, I didn't know that that was, you know, I just, we just kept going, but that particular missions trip, they had a specific, um, form of evangelism, which I personally wouldn't probably use now, but it was, it was a great tool in my life then, but basically, this particular organization, they make you memorize this tract called the Four Spiritual Laws. Have you, have you ever used no. one of those?
0: No. Highly yeah. interested now, though.
1: Do you know what they are? No. I'm pumped. Okay. So tra- tracts, tracts used to be pretty big back in the day. It's like a little booklet, and some of them, some of them, like are basically like a comic book, and they tell a story, like a comic book that shows you like hell and things like that, or. You know, there, there, there's some that are worse than others, but, um, the four spiritual laws one, it basically like walks you through what's called the Roman road. Oh, or, yeah. do you know what that is? I know
0: what the Roman road is.
1: Yeah. You know, basically just like the, the key scriptures yeah. for, for salvation. And so it's, so you would walk up to people and be like, Hey, can I share this with you? And you're like, literally like walking them through this little booklet and mm-hmm. then maybe you give it to them. And at the end it has like a prayer in it. But uh, we were supposed to memorize the whole thing, so mm-hmm. if we didn't have one, we could. And so that's kind of how how it went. So it was just like cold evangelism just walk up to people and yeah. just start the conversation any way you can. Um, and so I would do that now. I just probably wouldn't use a tract. It it just it doesn't um, strike me as the best form of. And so for me now, I, what I've learned is I think that people really appreciate at least knowing that they're being heard. And so, plus if you ask questions, then you actually know what to speak to instead of just like somebody doesn't walk into a doctor's office and the doctor just throws pills at them. Just like, (laughs) this is, this is true. And it's like, well you should diagnose what this person's issue is. So yes. I love talking to people about Jesus, but I like to listen to them and, and see what, what's the holdup. Like, what do you think about Jesus? And uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you want more stories from that particular trip. I remember, cause I had never led really people before they mm-hmm. put the small, they gave me the small group. And I, I totally like chewed out this high school kid in front of everybody else in the small group. And he like, Left my small group and told the leaders of the trip he didn't want to be in my small group anymore, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a total failure! Like, what am I doing?" Right. And so you just learned lessons along the way. Oh yeah,
0: I, I so not in Greece, but we did that in Nebraska. They kind of just dropped us off in the middle of University of Nebraska Lincoln campus and just said, uh, "Go share the gospel." And I was like 17, and every, you weren't even
1: in college, and you're sharing with college students. Yeah,
0: right. And because I knew everything um, at 17. <laughs> Um, no Roman road either by the way I didn't even I had a Romans tattoo but I didn't even <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> but I didn't even know the verse. I just like and people would ask me what's Romans 8:28 and I would always say, well, what do you think it is because I didn't know it um, but I think something that you said that's super valuable for anyone listening or any leader listening to this um, you guys weren't even So you talked about I don't even know if anyone gave their life to Jesus. And now mm. we, we're pastors, we do all the counting. And I do that too on Sundays. Like we have a, a metrics channel on Slack. We do all the right. Um, but sometimes I think we miss the moments of um, some plant, some water, some harvest. Um, right. Our only job is just planting seeds. And I think you do that um, right now in such a beautiful way. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you got into um, digital missions, um, even itinerary preaching. I think it's all super valuable. Um, Yeah, we'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah. Um, So before I talk about the digital, um, well, both for that matter, itinerant preaching and the digital space right now, I think, you know, for some people it can it can sort of feel alluring or whatever, because, um, you know, maybe celebrity status or something like that. And I just would say that would be a very poor reason to do anything Yeah. in general. But when it comes to preaching, um, I just, I, I just know that I'm a preacher designed to proclaim God's word, but, mm-hmm. but that's in front of one person right? or 10,000. And so, Anybody that's considering, oh man, I want to stand on that stage and preach. I just would encourage them to consider, do you have a desire to share with your, you know, your neighbor or the person at the grocery store? Do you have a small group that you share with? Or if you only desire to be on a big platform, you got to kind of ask yourself, like, why mm-hmm. am I not sharing at other places? Because the platform should really just be a reflection of the word coming out of you in any setting. So there's that number one. Number two, I consider myself to be a pastor first and foremost. And and by that, I mean, if we're not connected with real people and we're just sort of pontificating or, you know, speaking in front of crowds of people, um, to me personally, I think that there's going to be a eventually a problem there. So, so, you know, where I said, I'm, I'm no longer on staff at my church. I'm still an elder at my church. Mm -hmm. I'm still a licensed pastor at my church. I'm still on the preaching team at my church. And I still run my small group and I'm involved in still a million things. I mean, really I work for the church for free now, Um, but like, that's a, that's a huge value for us to stay rooted in a local community. Mm -hmm. especially these days where every, you know, everything can be online, everything can be, and even the direction of where culture might even be going web three and whatever. It's like, right. I believe we fully believe in the local gathering of real human beings, breaking bread together, communion together, laying hands and praying for each other, baptism, all of that. So, um, so I'm totally rooted in the local church and that's really what I think would feed a uh, big part of what would feed my ability to speak to other audiences. So, um, yeah, I just, um, you know, I think that preaching is one of my one of my greatest gifts that God's given me, and so I want to use that to His glory. Um, and I, that's something that you can't force the preaching. That's just when you get invitations. So I preached eight to nine times at my church this year, and then just travel and preach as the opportunities arise. In regards to digital. It was my my story is probably different than other people. What happened for me is I had no intention of doing this, mm-hmm. no intention of doing this full time for sure. Right. Um I basically what happened was in, in the years like 2017, 18, and 19, I was going through this like really weird, difficult season of insecurity, mm. um, comparison. And like if we're really honest, just straight up sinful envy inside my soul. And what's really ironic is I, I unfollowed everybody that did ministry on social media. Wow. If I was following you unfollow, if Judah Smith, Stephen Frederick, youth pastor down the street unfollow, because anything that I saw of somebody else's success or them preaching somewhere or something like that, it was just like breeding in me this sinful jealousy and envy. And it was, it was killing me. It was like cancer, and I knew it. And at the same time, I'm I'm like dealing with such insecurity, which was also weird because I had a great job, a great wife, kids, a great home, a relatively successful ministry, compliments after I preach and all that. But like the truth is, if you're, if you're dealing with something broken on the inside, some compliment on the outside is not going to fix that. Yeah. And so maybe that's something that somebody in the audience needs to hear that like, you might be chasing for the fix for mm-hmm. your brokenness that is in the the wrong, you know, the wrong place and just covering up a symptom is not healing the root of a sickness. So, so I had to like really get to this place where I unfollowed everybody. I'm trying to like sober up as it were in regards to my comparison and all that and At the end of 2019, I just said to the Lord, you know, okay, I'm not, I'm not Stephen Furtick. I'm -hmm. not, I'm not Josh. Mm -hmm. And, and, and even instead of saying like, who have you made me to be in some big way? I said, Jesus, what's like one thing that you designed me to do to add value to the world? Yeah. And I really felt like he said, I just want you to show people how to read the Bible. And and it's, it's not like that's the entire existence of of who I am, but it right. was one thing that I could do, and and the Lord really used this friend of ours. Uh, we have some really good friends that we travel with, and so like usually once a year we'll go on vacation, and in the morning I'll wake up and I'll read my Bible with you know my paper Bible with a pen, <laughs> yeah. and I underline it and I squiggly and I circle and I box and I take notes and I draw arrows. And she sat next to me in the morning. She goes, man. I wish I could sit next to you every morning when you read your Bible because, and then she said this, us normal people don't always know how to read the Bible. And I just couldn't shake that. And it was like, man, like, this is like food to me. Like if I didn't spend time with God every day, where would, where would I be? And for me to just realize that there's, you know, quote unquote, normal people that feel like they can't even just engage with God's word. It's like, I can help with that. Mm-hmm. And I had seen a few people doing some videos with like an Apple pencil and circling stuff, but I had never seen anybody do it where you could see them. Like John Piper was doing it back then. And yeah. I was like, man, that's cool, but I can't see him. It's so impersonal. It's just a black screen with, and I was like, I think that I can come up with a way to do this. So I, mm-hmm. I, and I, and I, so here's the simple of it. I heard the Lord say, I want you to put a video on YouTube every single day in 2020 And the second thing that was so unique about this, God speaking to me that season is I've I've never had this happen before. He said, I don't care if you think it's bearing fruit and I don't care if more than one person watches it. I want you to do it every single day. And normally in ministry, just like in investing, if something's not bearing fruit, like the fig tree, cut it down, curse that fig tree. That's not, you know, let's go start a new ministry. Let's do, let's do something else. Kill that thing. But so, what I learned is that sometimes God just wants you to be obedient, no matter if you think it's bearing fruit or not. Yeah. And so I started and dude, they weren't, I mean, it was, so I work at a busy, at the time I was working at a busy church, family, all kinds of stuff. And I, to do one 15 to 20 minute YouTube video a day was like an extra hour of work. So yeah. I'd wake up it's at, at, in the morning. I'd be doing them at 10 PM at night. And I would film basically every single day. And then I would post it at 7 a.m. the next day. And yeah, it never really took off. I mean, 10 views, 20 views. Mm-hmm. But then something happened around March of 2020. All of a sudden, the world shuts down. Right. All of a sudden, people need the Bible. Um, but still, the YouTube thing never took off. But I was faithful to do it every day. But then something else happened in, around June. I found this app called TikTok. And we were just laughing, you know, looking at videos. And then I thought to myself, I wonder if I can get any of these people from TikTok to come over to YouTube. And so yeah. I sort of changed my video and, and made it vertical and made it a minute and posted. And then the second video I ever posted went absolutely viral. And it was about, uh, I just read Philippians four, six, and seven, talking about anxiety and prayer. Turns out people were struggling with it. Yeah. And like in a day, it had like 200,000 views. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Right. I get like 10 views every day. So, um, I like jumped up to like 8,000 followers pretty quickly. And then I had a friend, he said, dude, I think if you keep going, you could get like a hundred thousand followers. And I was like, no way, no Hmm. way. That's crazy talk, dude. And then after 13 months, we hit a million. Hmm. And so what led me to to wrap up the story, what led me to where I am today is I faithfully posted on YouTube because that was my commitment to the Lord for one calendar year, every single day in 2020, even getting COVID, all of it. And I stopped that on December 31st because it was just too much. But from June 6th, 2020 until basically today, I've posted on TikTok and or Instagram and YouTube probably every day I've maybe missed three or four or five days total yeah. in almost three years. Um, and so just posting consistently and faithfully just short messages. Cause I just want people to know Jesus and hear from him and even have a break. And then what we just started realizing, especially through 21 is that it wasn't just big numbers. Cause big numbers could mean nothing. There's a lot of celebrities that have a lot of people that quote unquote follow them. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm but we are called to spiritually influence the world. Yeah. And what I realized is that the content was actually influencing people towards knowing Jesus. And the questions I started to get asked every day, how do I get saved? How do I know I have the Holy Spirit? How do I overcome addiction? Have I committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Like it's it was bearing real fruit. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of 21, we're just praying about, man, Jesus did this. I didn't do this. I'm not special. I'm just some guy from North Idaho. But he built this,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, so if he was sitting right here and I asked him, like, what do you expect from me? What do you, I can't talk to all these people. I could have a staff of 20 people just talking to people all day long. Yeah. And and we just felt like he said, what would it look like if you stayed connected in local church in the ways you're most gifted and most called, but Mm -hmm. gave, gave more full time attention to the people that you're reaching all over the globe. And so we stepped out in faith on April Fool's Day. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice <laughs> and
1: uh, april fool's day i i gave up my salary and i'm now doing this full-time and just on on support like a missionary what so
0: a, that's what a beautiful story though just of consistency and faithfulness and um i know i've had conversations with people or um people are like i posted for three days man like i don't say anything or or, or even you think about just practical side of like I asked her out two times and, you know, like we always right. have this short-term mindset. Or it, I
1: prayed and God didn't. Right. Right. And it's like, we live in a, like a, like a fast food microwave generation. Yeah. But if you read the Bible, like Abraham waited 25 years, David waited years, you know what I mean? Right. And we're just not used to it.
0: No. I mean, Jesus was a, a, just a dude for 30 years. And then he his ministry was three years Um, but we all, and, and I would say that my generation definitely takes a big portion of this, of like instant, not just gratification, but instant growth. Yeah. Um, how old are you? I'm 23. Um, so you're gen, you're Gen Z, right? I apparently am Gen Z. I don't know. Are you? Uh, yeah, we'll What year, what year are you born? 98. Oh yeah,
1: bro. You're, you're an old Gen Z.
0: Yeah, I think I might be the first year of Gen Z by like uh, even a couple months.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gen Zer. I gotta just, I gotta accept it. Uh, <clears throat> <yeah. laughs> um, moving on. Um, no, yeah. I mean, there's just even like in the business world. Like, there's just so much of just instant numbers, instant growth. Right. You know? um, what I would encourage anyone listening to this, um, and encourage myself even and you. Um, even if nobody engages with your content, even if nobody comes to your preaching event or nobody subscribes to your YouTube, um, does not lower um, the magnitude of what God is speaking to you and your faithfulness. Um, God's not going to, when you get to heaven, he's not going to say, hey, how many followers did you get on uh, TikTok? You know, he's going to say, hey, were you faithful of what was in your hand? And some people, it absolutely. Is. Some people, it is a small group of 20, some people it is millions And um, Craig, that's just, um, honorable. And I I appreciate, um, the, the heart of it's pure Because we have all had conversations with people where it's like, um, not pure and God will get that out eventually. And I I love that, um, you have a pure heart and you're after Jesus. Um, and we haven't talked about this yet. I'm really excited about it because I need it, um, you been married for 13 years now, you said, right? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. I will be married for a year in two weeks, literally. To Come the, on. Um, give me um, some marriage tips. <laughs> Not Monday. We can't have marriage Monday, but we'll I still, I still need them.
1: Man, marriage tips. Uh, dude. I think just like a lot of people, we had a rough First couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a tough thing not to get to be as selfish as you want to be anymore. Yeah. And so that's, you know, the first thing I think that you notice when you get married is like, this is oh, this is not all about me. Now I belong to somebody else. And then that is that is highlighted to the nth degree when you have a kid mm-hmm. because you really don't belong to yourself anymore. And so we yeah, we struggled for. For a bit. I mean, it was, there was great times too, but lots of, yeah. lots of struggle as well. Um, and, and we, we weren't planning on getting pregnant when we did, but we got pregnant after three months. Jess had just started nursing school mm-hmm. and, um, there, you know, we had no money and then we, now we have this kid and, um, yeah. So I think over the years we've learned that like some of the things that you think are such a huge deal, like you got to just give grace to the other person for where they're at with certain things. So, you know, one thing that we really got heads about for a long time was like, I wanted, I wanted us to be doing ministry together at the church, involved yeah. all the time. We're leading young adults. It's like my everything. And I'm like trying to force her to do everything that i'm doing and she's like dude like i've got my own call and like i love the church like don't get me wrong i love what what we're doing to young adults but like i i'm not gonna i can't do every single thing that you're doing and so it just took uh a little bit to for us to find the balance there um so anyway there's there's probably like a lot of different types of issues that i could talk about but maybe i'll just say this for the sake of time yeah one of the greatest things that I would encourage you and anybody that's listening that's, that's married or considering getting married, you, I don't know how anybody would make it in this life, how any marriage makes it without having Jesus loving and following spirit-filled people in your world yeah. that are objective, that love the both of you, that are willing to do life with you and walk through stuff when it's hard. And so I'm not talking about like, I go to my best friend who's a believer when we're, when we're fighting or she goes to her best friend or her mom. Uh, No, no, no. We're talking about like a couple Mm -hmm. that together, they can pour into you and they'll listen. They'll meet with you and they'll be objective. It's been invaluable to us when, when it's like stuff is just hitting the wall and like, okay, we're going to go meet with Dawn and Deborah, And it's just like, I just cannot more highly encourage having, call it marriage mentors or that special couple or whatever people that you can go to together when stuff, when you're not thinking right because you're just so mad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they help you understand and see. And so that's been huge yeah. for us.
0: That's a, that's a, that's incredible, incredible advice. And I hope that anyone listens to this. Like, um, that's why, right at the beginning, you talk about the local church. Like, that's the power of. Um, that's it it being in a neighborhood, like at a community, like we live in Omaha right now. Like we should have a couple, um, that we could meet with, um, meet over dinner or go to their house. And we do that with other people. We've showed up at people's houses at 2.00 AM when they're fighting and we just sit there and ask questions and, um, it's imperative. Especially when
1: you're the one that's in ministry. Yeah. It's usually you're pouring out. You're the, you're the person that's taking care of that for other people. So you need to have that for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's imperative. You have to, you will not make it. <laughs> we, I can't, I can't make it without friends regardless. Um, cause our inflow and outflow is always going. Um, right. you just have to be able to have people in your life who love you enough to say things that might hurt your feelings initially or offend you. Right. Um, it's the reality of we're all broken. We all need somebody. Um, obviously we have Jesus, but he also gave us friends for a reason. So um craig i love you so much thankful for you to be on um is there any last words that you'd love
1: yeah dude i've been talking this whole time and i know that i have a few minutes left so no, i'm gonna I, ask I, you I a question okay okay because this was supposed to be a conversation and and i was just that like jerk friend that sat at the coffee shop and talked oh, the whole that's, time.
0: that's the best
1: <laughs> well i appreciate you asking the questions i want okay if if jesus was sitting in front of you mm. right now all right and he said, "Hey, bro, whatever you want to do in life, don't worry about the money. I yeah. got you. Don't worry about the time. I got you. Don't like if if he literally just said to you, whatever you want to do, it will succeed. Let's do it together. What would you want to do in the next twelve months?
0: Twelve months. Let's go. Yep. Um, yeah, I would say um, I love." Again, my wife and I have a huge passion for business owners, entrepreneurs. Um, I think what we would do is probably um, do our best to create. Um, I mean, we already have kind of plans and and whatever in our church. Number one, we'd give a generous amount to our church. Like, hey, Jesus, let's partner with churches and all my friends. Um, and we'd love to just be a solution um, to anything that they need. Um, but I definitely think we would start something with entrepreneurs, small business owners, whether that be like a network, whether that be um, a conference, whether that be whatever. Um, her parents are business owners. we have three or four businesses more starting um, and that's something that we're super passionate you about. you guys
1: have three or four? Just you two?
0: My wife has two. I have one, um, and we're starting another one soon Um, And because we just love um, love building God's house. Um, We love partnering with um, kingdom-minded people and people who don't know Jesus yet, who definitely have um, giftings and skills that he's given them. Um, So that's what we would do. We would sit down with Jesus and be like, hey, how can we best serve this community that already um, we're connected with? Um, that's what I would do. And I'd ask him to make me 6'1 one175 <laughs> and play for this because Chicago you want
1: to play what sport
0: <laughs> basketball. I'll be a point guard. I'll be a smaller point guard, play for the bulls. If I could do those things. Um, I mean, if I'm speaking to Jesus, you know, we're sitting over coffee, like he's got, to, yeah. he's got to throw me a bone, you know?
1: <laughs> okay so in regards to the thing that you would do with the entrepreneur because i i mean he could do anything but i i don't know if the six one bulls point guard thing will happen yep. although we could pray towards that but the other thing are you are you actually taking steps towards that mm-hmm. is that what you guys are one of the ministries that you're kind of working on in in yeah. omaha right now
0: yeah for sure and i would say it's probably a little bit bigger than just our city i think we're just networking with other people around um honestly the country and the world just so just and i think we're, we're young and we know that so we're aware of like we can't um be the solution to all humanity's problems but we can ask really great questions and serve people along the way um and honestly just sitting at family dinners with her family alone is just um soaking in all of her parents wisdom and um here and doing whatever we can so um, that's something Lexi and I ask every single one of our friends is, Hey, how can we add value to your life? Um, I own, so a, cool. I own a marketing agency for like three or four years. So I am a marketing guy. Like, how can I, what can I do? Um, and getting nothing in return. Um, that's something we love to do. She, she's right now helping a, um, a friend with their wedding and she's a wedding planner, but she's not, not charging anything. Cause we're like, Hey, well, let's just help you. Let's do whatever we can do. Um, cause we that's love, awesome. love our friends of our family, but we also, love entrepreneurs and love what they can do and creative thinkers. And, um, so yeah, we're definitely taking baby steps. Um, we're, we're definitely, we're quick to make changes, but this we're actually being smart about it. Um, it's typically entrepreneurs are very like impulsive and I, right. I'm yeah. impulsive and explosive. So, um, <laughs> so I'm slowing her down, but yeah.
1: Cool. Can I ask you one more question before you let me go? Yes. What's your favorite thing about your local church?
0: My favorite thing about my local church. And what,
1: and what is it just so, I mean, I'm sure your audience probably knows, but
0: yeah. So my local church, my, my wife and I serve at is my city church. And I love, um, number one, we got to be a part of the launch. So we love, um, planting churches and building churches, but I mean, we love our team. We love, um, our group of directors and leaders who are leading people and pastoring people and hearing testimonies every week about people giving their life to Jesus and families being restored. And we had men's prayer this morning at 630 at our HQ, Um, 30, 40 men just together praying over their their marriages and contending for our city. Um, So I love, I love everything. I'm a local church guy. If I could just sit um, in our church and literally just do whatever it takes to get people there on Sundays to raise their hand for Jesus, I'd do it. Um so and we cool. and we do do it. We we set up at 4 50 AM um every Sunday. Y'all
1: 450 AM.
0: 450 anointing from Andrew Carter is what he called it. That's
1: <laughs> that's a good that's a good trait for a Gen Zer to have. Okay, you go. can wake up early.
0: <laughs> you can you can set up pipe and draping chairs, I promise. That's right. Um that's right. Well, Seriously, thank you so much for being on. I hope that anyone listening has got so much value. Um, You should re-listen to it with a notebook this time um, because there's so many things that Craig said that was of value um, and very, very wise. So thanks for so much for being on, man. I appreciate you a ton. we will have to do it again.
1: It's been good to get to know you. Thanks a lot.